Good afternoon and welcome to Burst of Bubble live on CAMFM, the show where we burst the Cambridge bubble and bring you some of the more unusual news that you may have missed in the past week. I'm Michael Contario and joining me this week are John Nelson. Hello. And Jasmine Charner. Hello. Uh, we're going to start with an animal-themed section of the show because, as you know, here on Burst of Bubble we love our, our cute animals and we're starting with mice. Yes. So, uh, this is a new piece of research um, on mice. So you're probably familiar to um, to bird song. That's what you know. Birds sing occasionally. It sounds mostly like tweet 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 to us, but to them it sounds like something like New Order's Blue Monday or something along those lines. Um, obviously, we do the same sort of thing. And apparently, mice also sing to attract uh, to attract their mates. But not only that, they don't have one fixed song. Um, a bit like say Westlife. They will actually be able to learn other songs, uh, learn other styles, and sort of like use that to adapt and to uh, attract new people. So a bit more like, I don't know, David Bowie. Yeah, oh, might they go a bit hip-hop at some point? A bit hip-hop? Yeah. Uh, lay, 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 lay down some funky beats. So, <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sort of imagining a, mar- a Maris actually hip-hopping at the moment, literally <laughs> hopping from foot to foot, whilst at the same time... As long as you say that, and I just get a mouse that that's really, really needs the loo. <laughs> hopping from side to side, rather than a, well, the mouse that is trying to woo the ladies. It's probably not great as a way of attracting a mate. Although, have you seen the way pigeons... I might have mentioned this before on the show, I can't remember, the way pigeons tend to attract... Um, uh, or male pigeons to attract a woman is that they sort of fluff up their feathers to make themselves look big and then they go put their heads down and they go around in a circle um, <laughs> which seems like the least effective way of attracting a mate to be possible and basically means that the, they can't actually see what the woman's doing or the, the lady pigeon so the lady pigeon will often just go this, this, this is a burk going around in a circle and they'll just fly off and so the male pigeon will carry on doing this for another five seconds until they realise any, anything has changed so I think, I think and, and then when they finish it they're dizzy as well yeah they are <laughs> Um, so they only know Vic Reeves, apparently. Um, yeah, but so, so mice, are, mice are a lot more... Uh, I mean, we've always got this idea of mice being intelligent. I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and everything tells us that mice are, in fact, our intellectual superiors. Um, and thus they probably have a much more versatile range of music, I imagine. I mean, like, we, we talk about hip-hop and, you know, jazz or whatever, like... We've got such limited concepts. I mean, imagine what mice music has. I, mean, I like to think we're just going into Disney. Because in Cinderella you have the mice singing the song while they're making the dress. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen that. <laughs> I don't want to spend the remainder of the show trying to recall that scene in my head where that happens. I read the story and went, hang on, this is this is what happens in Cinderella. There must be a Disney film where they have singing mice. Yeah, well, they're less trying to woo someone now as help Cinderella in her wooing, I guess. Because they're making the dress so she can be all pretty and go to the ball. And as everyone knows, what happens at the ball is she, she pulls a prince. Um, but uh, sadly, uh, yeah, has to, that's, that's, that's the teenage version, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Don't laughs> <hate> you. <laughs> that's when Cinderella is going through her gruff phase. <laughs> that's effectively what happens, right? And then she doesn't make an excuse and leave early. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, that's like so many, you know, women that I've met. Uh, but yes, anyway. So going back to the mice, I mean, there's. So I said I said birds and that kind of, and uh, and humans obviously there are quite a few other um, ones that apparently uh, other animals that learn this so we've got whales we're all familiar with whale song that's from Finding Nemo <laughs> well whale song is pretty much if you imagine you've got one of those old records one of those old vinyls 
and you put on something like Engelbert Humperdinck, and then you just and you put it on the slowest possible setting, and then you somehow manage to get the record player to go about ten times slower than that. That's Wales song. <laughs> it is just them going hello. If you speed it up, it sounds a bit like that. Um, but yeah, we've got Wales got dolphins, sea lions, which is an unusual one. I sort of can't really imagine a singing sea lion. Again, maybe that's something for Finding Nemo the two. Is there going to be a Finding Nemo two? Finding Nemo, he's lost again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to lose Nemo once is, is accident. <laughs> to lose him twice is careless. Indeed. Neglectful father. It'll be like social services coming around. Going, going, to be honest, you're not really very good at this, are you? <laughs> Finding Nemo 2, neglectful father. Yes. <laughs> going places I don't want it to go. Well, all the people who... All the children who watch Finding Nemo at the right age will now be able to appreciate this as a little bit older. It's not like Toy Story 3 had so much in like, because we all we all grew up watching Toy Story in the first couple, and then and there was such a big gap. And then when they actually got to Toy Story three, there was sort of quite a few more kind of like jokes for the jokes for our generation as well as for the kids. You can do that, Finding Nemo, be fine. I'm sure the kids would understand. Um, yeah, and okay, the and the other two we've got down here are bats and elephants. And again, elephants again in Disney in the Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah. Are there any singing bats in Disney? I don't know of any singing bats. They've got, um... But there might be. The orangutan, uh, King Louie, he's, he's an orangutan, isn't he? Yeah, it, no, it's, just, it's quite different to a bat. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was just throwing ideas out here. Come on, work with me, people. One thing that I liked about this story is they put a bunch of, um, male mice together, uh, who had naturally different vocal pitches, and they all converged over a period of eight weeks, which is something that... It'd be really nice in some ways if that worked with humans, because then you could just get, get get some good singers and put some people who had a bit weird pitches together with them, and then eight weeks, it's like, everyone can sing. I'm aware that's not how singing works. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's called a recipe for disaster, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you get when you try and do the come and sing things, and, the, you know, eight weeks is the same amount of time as a Cambridge Triforce, right? Oh, not Cambridge Triforce. Turn. Oh, it's only. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Isn't it effectively what Gareth Malone does? With the choir, he did it with the, uh, the Soldiers' Wives, and has had several TV series since. He just kind of like, gets a bunch of people to all come and sing together, and over, like, eight, twelve weeks, they all start singing brilliantly and have hit singles. I can sort of see it working, because when you're singing with a group, it's or easier if you have someone to follow. And if you're with someone constantly for eight weeks, singing, that's a lot of singing. You, <laughs> you, you could probably would start to improve a bit. Yeah, you probably acquire pitch somewhere along the line, I yeah. guess. I, I don't know. I kind of feel if I did it, I'd still be at the end going, oh, oh, yeah, or something along those lines. Uh, that, that would probably only happen if you were just, like, trying to learn to sing with a, with a death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so me, oh, just one cornet. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Just one Carnetto death metal style. <laughs> Let, let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> maybe in another musical break at some point we can we can see if we can find our Shadomio by, I don't know, Tool. <laughs> uh, look, the, the, the question I think, give, given um, the pop charts recently, is uh, can, can the mice do Gangnam style? Can they do Gangnam style? I'd be very impressed if they can do that bit in the music video with diving through the legs. But uh... well, it depends what they're diving through the legs of. I mean, if they're diving through the legs of Psy, then it's quite easy because you know <laughs> they're, they're much smaller than he is. I mean, they can just look, through look, his legs. It would look a lot less impressive on the video. <laughs> <laughs> all these mice running between a guy's legs. 
But again, probably more likely than a death metal music video. I think there are lots of implausible things about this. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so just to, just to wrap this one off, um, there is a quote here. So I originally said that... Um, that mice were actually maybe had a slightly bigger range than humans. The scientist here obviously doesn't share my opinion. This is that we think mice are intermediate in this ability between a chicken and a songbird, or even a non-human primate like you know King Louis uh, and a human. So I mean, I, I think I think you know, King Louis was quite a good singer, but a chicken like, that, that doesn't seem like a particularly rousing <laughs> endorsement for mice singing. Really, it's somewhere between a chicken and a thing that can sing. Yeah, it's it's, it's like giving giving a, a display of, like a. A reading of wetness, which is like, well, it's some somewhere between the Sahara and, and the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, to be honest, I think the most of the sort of the singing kind of me by the sense of it, because I'm somewhere between a non-human primate and a human when it comes to singing. <laughs> so, well, I want to, I want to know um, where Jedward would fit in compared to mice. Are they, are they better or worse singers than Jedward? I think Chicken End. Would Jedward at the Chicken End? Pardon? <laughs> Jed- Jedward at the Chicken End. I was confused then. I, I'd forgotten what we'd said. Jedward did a chicken end. Well, they've got, chicken end? they've got they've they've got the sort of the right kind of hair for it. I mean, like I can imagine they're sort of a bit more like a cockatoo, I guess. But cockatoos can sing, can't they? So I don't know. Perhaps they, well, they were trying to imitate. They're like ah, oh, like like Samson's hair gave him power. Perhaps a cockatoo hair gives you the power to sing. <laughs> So, um, we've actually got uh, an email here, which is impressive, considering we haven't told you how to find it yet. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us about this story or any later ones, you can email studio at camfm.co.uk. If you're listening online at camfm.co.uk, you can use the obvious form on the, on the live player, or you can text cam plus your message to 80809, although text will cost you 10 pence. Yeah, so this email that we have, um, we have it through the web form, um, no name attached. Could you please yeah. write your name on so yeah, we, we know who to credit for these things? Yeah, we, we, we like names. They make us feel like we're talking to, to humans rather, rather than mysterious internet addresses. Rather than spam bots or something like this. Although this is quite a sophisticated spam bot, <laughs> if that's the case. Um, it's alerting us to the presence of uh, a Japanese pop band, which consists of five cats... Uh, uh, are the five catch posh, sporty, scary, baby, and ginger? No, it says what Tabby. they are. It says uh, here, so the Wikipedia page we've got, they're called Musashis, and they're, they're a Japanese group, I've just said that. Um, so they have five members there, Musashi, so, you know, presumably the leader of the band, um, who is the <laughs> youngest but also the fattest, it says here. Uh, we've got Leo, who is a four, another four-year-old cat, who makes a quiet crying noise. Uh, we have Luca... Uh, who is a six-year-old female cat with quiet but high crying noise. We have Seri, who is 12 years old and is the, the, the mama cat, presumably, the female cat, main vocalist. <laughs> and uh, and we have Marble, who, in fact, is 15 years old. And uh, and it, she, she's got a feel-good story to her because she was living on the street. And uh, was presumably, I, I kind of ima- imagine this is kind of street music with, the, you know, the lyrics sort of all a bit hip-hop, kind of like, you know, down with the... Down with the not, I don't say the street again, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, and when the owner picked her up, she was living on the street and she was in poor health, and now is in a successful Japanese cat band, which has a discography. It has two singles, which are both in Japanese, so I'm not going to say them because I'll pronounce them wrong. But uh, if you do, you can, you can, you can look up Musashi, so I imagine they've probably got a YouTube thing, which we might possibly investigate when we've got a musical break. <laughs> this sounds cracking. So thank you very much to whoever sent that. And uh, Please send us your name. We want to be able to credit such discoveries. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, moving on to... What's our next animal story, John? So, our next animal story 
Um, we're moving from mice, who are obviously quite small furry creatures, to something which is not particularly small or furry, which are sharks. So this is another, uh, this is another scientific ex- uh, experiment report or whatever. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. This is our, our animal science stra- extravaganza we've got going on here. Extravaganza strand. It's, what? It's a strand of science extravaganzas. Ah, yes. I'm just, I'm just trying to get, make things that are harder for you to say. Thank you. You're stumbling uh, anyway. The, the, the animal science extravaganza strand. Woo! Uh, Yay! Um, okay, and this is, this is basically... They've done an experiment with 13 different species of shark to try and determine which has the strongest bite. And they don't just mean which is the one you want to get least bitten by in terms of how big it is. It's, it's actually how strong this they can bite, so the smaller sharks have more of a chance. And then uh, they found out it's bull sharks, apparently, which is odd because I don't think bulls have a particularly strong bite. I tend to think of them more horning people. Uh, I, I, I read this story and I was actually disappointed because I had in my head images of them having to try, try and coax the sharks to bite down on their precisely calibrated bit of scientific equipment and then go oh well we've, we've got one bull shark but we can't take that as normal for all bull sharks we have to get a, a wide variety of bull sharks so we can measure the bell curve of how the bull sharks bite but sadly not they just got hold of some bull shark jaws and said well if we put the mechanics of this through how strongly can they bite which isn't a, <laughs> isn't a proper experiment in my head I know, it is. Option, though, it? <laughs> I, I, I know it is it's a safer option though isn't it trailing a scientific rig behind you <laughs> on a fishing boat going come on sharkies covered in blood covered in blood we know you like it I know it's more sensible, I know it's still valid, but there's a bit of me that that just feels like a little... A part of me is dying inside at the fact that they didn't do it the adventurous scientific way. So, yeah, I I do kind of have an image of a load of scientists with jaws just just basically chasing each other, with the jaws going, and seeing which ones they're more scared of. (laughs) You could could attach them to, like, some sort of motor, and they could be, like, those chattering teeth. (laughs) And I've got uh, this image of the scientist's Christmas party with them all with these shark's jaws running around after each other, trying <laughs> to bite hardest. In the shark jaw on the scientist. So we've got some actual... Uh, we've all got, got some data here. It, tell, it, it tells you what the forces are, so for all of you uh, science geeks out there and in here. Um, overall, bull sharks uh, can bite with a force of almost 6,000 newtons at the back of the jaw and more than 2,000 newtons at the front. Uh, and these they're not entirely sure why they have such strong bites uh, because it says there's no need for such massive values to break fish skin or even to puncture bone so it does kind of make you wonder what exactly they need to do presumably maybe they're developing it it so they can get into like fishing trawlers or something like metal hull ships and stuff Uh, maybe, maybe, but I don't know if they're strong enough to actually rip through it yet, or whether they just sort of like think. We'll try. I was like, I've, I've worked out that I'm quite strong at this. I can puncture bone. That's easy. Well, I'll just try to get to this this big ship. This should be a good idea. And then they sort of get about halfway in and they're like, oh, I'm stuck. <laughs> and then you sort of have this ship trawling along. Going, we've got a bit of we've got a bit of turbulence going on the back. Can you can see? Uh, there appears to be a shark hanging off the back. Uh, okay, can you jab it with something? That seems pretty stuck there. <laughs> 
can, can, you, can you sort of like drive the ship around a bit and whip the back from side to side and possibly like reverse into some rocks and knock <laughs> it off? A bit like when you're trying to get something off when you've got the, the chase scenes in, in action films and yes. there's, there's somebody on the back of the car and they're trying to shake him off by going back and forth. I don't think you can do that very well with like a huge boat. <laughs> I don't think you can really waggle the back very effectively. You sort of very slowly go from one side to the other. <laughs> the shark presumably just still hanging up some kind of <laughs> carnivorous limpet. Uh, oh, but um, there's, some, there's some other stuff there about the uh, about the bull shark, and apparently um, it's part of the Requiem shark family, which includes a tiger and lemon shark, which is possibly the only type of shark which comes pre-flavoured. Uh, goes very well with the with the lime shark or with the ginger <laughs> shark. I hear um, often found in carbonated water. Um, <laughs> Particularly around ice, uh, they, they, they <laughs> like that. So, yeah, um, I, I, I just think that because they, they've gone through all these things, and so they have, they presumably have a league table of sharks and how strong their bites are. And so I'm kind of imagining that we'll now get sort of things like spicy nuts or something, which will be they'll, 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 there's a marketing niche here, which is done in order of you know because you talk about the bite that something has you know in, in flavour and so we're like do you want a proper shark bite can you handle a bull shark bite or are you more of a lemon shark bite a bit like when you go to Nando's and you have the lemon and <laughs> the lemon and ginger option rather than the spicy things you can have a lemon shark it's just sort of slightly lemony flavoured one you get all the way up to bull shark it presumably tastes like cow uh, <laughs> oh dear but uh, have you got any comments about shark bites or um Oh, or indeed any any other stories that um, we talk about on the show you can email in studio at camfm.co.uk you can use the web form camfm.co.uk or you can text cam plus your message to 80809 join us for more news stories after this 97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm Welcome back to Burst of All on CamFM. That was 99 Red Balloons by Nina. I'm Michael Quintero, and with me are my guests John Nelson. Hello. And Jasmine Charner. Hello. Uh, that, that song was semi-deliberately picked uh, because of our next story. So, our next story does involve not 99 Red Balloons, but the one that was missing when it was supposed to make 100, uh, because it's been taken by this chap, Austrian guy called Felix Baumgartner. Uh, I believe he's Austrian. Yes, Austrian, excellent. Uh, who is attempting a skydive um, from, uh, what was it, 120,000 feet, where he attempts, he's going to hopefully uh, break the speed of sound. You break the spound barrier by the street. <laughs> <Spound point. laughs> the spound barrier. Um, it's a, it's 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 like the sound barrier, but it's actually made of spam. <laughs> um, so you, you know, basically, you know when you know when you send all these. There's a spam bot that sends all these e- internet emails, and it gets. You, you ever wonder where it comes from? Basically, there's a big spam barrier somewhere in in the atmosphere, and he's planning to break that at the same time he breaks the speed of sound. So it's very well calculated, I must say. The, there's, there's a thing here which I always felt is a bit dodgy, in that he's trying to break um, the record, the, the sound barrier, without the aid of a vehicle, which m- leads me to, que- to, to question what a hot air balloon, what a helium balloon is, because he's using that to get up there. It's not really without a vehicle. I mean, at the time he's doing, he's actually. 
falling, he's not got a vehicle. But it's not really without the aid of a vehicle. If he'd, if he, if he, if he'd climbed up there somehow, if he had an extremely long ladder, then, then yeah. But Space elevator. Oh, Which doesn't oh. exist yet. <laughs> One day. Uh, yeah, or, or sort of imagining somebody trying to run really fast, like Usain Bolt, just like trying to break the speed barrier. I can do it! <laughs> Sorry, Usain, you're actually no one in. Oh! Um, but, uh, yes, it will. It, I mean, it's still quite an impressive feat in itself, getting the balloon up this high. It will be the highest a balloon has ever, has ever managed. Um, it, it is a very impressive attempt. I mean, um, he's got his own specially modified spacesuit, basically, because he's going so high there's very, very little atmosphere left. Yeah. Which so just means he's going to be going really fast because there's going to be very little air resistance. Yeah, I can't find it in this particular article, but um, he's uh, the, the suit that he's wearing he thinks might be able to... I mean, like, he's not just doing it as a stunt, or at least he claims he's not just doing it as a stunt. Uh, he, he, he also says that he'll be able to... Um, the suit will be good scientific research to get uh, for suits for astronauts just in case an astronaut ever happens to be travelling somewhere at the speed of sound presumably whilst not in his space shuttle uh, but, so yeah so, so, this is, so this is a really heavy duty uh, high tech suit that he's got here um, and he kind of needs it because if it goes wrong then he's pretty much stuffed yeah, they've always already had um, one attempt, but uh, they basically inflated the balloon and then it got hit by a gust of wind. They basically need no wind for a long period of um, height, lo- a long height, uh, before they can actually do it. And this sudden gust of wind might have damaged the balloon, so they're going to have to leave that one. They've got a spare, which is what they're going to try and use, I believe, today. Yes, yes, so uh, there's actually there's a, a live feed. Uh, he's supposed to be jumping in around 15 minutes, I think. Um, but he doesn't seem to have gone up yet that I can find. But yes, this is this is actually happening really, really sort of around now. So it's all it's quite exciting, really. Um, uh, w- w- one thing that is ironic is that the horse, because they need they, the um, correct weather conditions, um, the further they get into autumn, the less chance they have of actually being able to do it. They might have to put it all off for next year. They don't, can't actually manage to do it today. We, but the, the thing is, the Americans call autumn fall. So the further they go into fall, the less likely they will be able for him to jump. They didn't really think this through when they were naming their seasons, did they? <laughs> uh, so it, it would have been it, spring would have worked as well. Spring, <laughs> spring would have been, uh, probably implied the opposite that he was in fact going to try and break the speed speed of sound whilst going up, um, sort of some kind of giant pogo stick, massive trampoline. Massive trampoline. I, I think he's basically trying to pretend to be Doctor Who because in the last Christmas episode, I think it was the last Christmas one, there is a bit at the beginning where the Doctor falls out of a spaceship in a spacesuit and crashes into the Earth, and then he meets the Widow, and then the rest of the episode happens. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers here whatsoever. We do not believe in spoilers for things that happened about a year ago on Cam FM. <laughs> I just do like. So what if the writers saw that he was planning to try and do this and went, "Oh, I know. Let's take that in. It'd be great." <laughs> and then the rest of the episode happened. <laughs> Sorry, it's just that's such a generic description. And it, wa- okay. and it wasn't. It it's wasn't last. <laughs> oh, you spoiled it. <laughs> that was. That wasn't. That was a different episode. I don't uh, think it that was. That was the last Christmas episode. Yeah, but the, the jumping out of the uh, with the spaceship with the spacesuit on was the year before. 
Uh, there, there, there. Okay. Let's, let's not devolve this into an argument <laughs> yes. over Doctor Who episodes. We're, we're getting into Doctor Who pedanticism, so this is probably <laughs> a good time to move on um, to something <laughs> related to another TV show. <laughs> related to a different TV show completely. Uh, an American one rather than a, uh, a British one. And this is uh, to do, sort of, well, to do with our, our sort of military things. The last, the last one didn't actually have anything to do with military things, did it? So I don't know no. what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so this, this is sort of more. Um, more uh, creating inspirational things. Uh, so the US Navy has funded uh, a project to build a MacGyver robot. So I've actually mentioned what the name of the TV show was now, which I've been putting off for about half a, half a second, half a minute. I'm going to stop doing that now. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's building, it's, it's, it's funding this MacGyver robot. And uh, so MacGyver is well known for being able to get himself out of tricky situations by cobbling together things that he found in his pocket or on the floor. Um, so he'd be able to create some kind of He'd be trapped on a burning building and he'd find a piece of string and a yo-yo. And he'd be able to... Yo-yo. <laughs> it's, it's a string and a yo-yo. Yeah, which so is he'd, basically... He'd be able to tie the piece of string to the yo-yo. To, 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 to basically, talk. two pieces of the string and a bit of... Yeah, so he'd make a really long yo-yo. And then he would yo-yo himself down. Uh, <laughs> he'd sort of attach the top of the, uh, the, 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 the round bit of the yo-yo to a, a craggy bit. Uh, maybe he's got a rock as well or something that he does it, and then he sort of goes down the, the string I've just made that up he probably <laughs> never did that that's probably not how MacGyver worked uh, but this this, uh, this robot is to, is designed to do exactly that kind of thing obviously without yo-yos and stuff but it's uh, it's being built with the hope of it being a rescue bot so you won't have to uh, risk other people's lives to send when, when uh, military men so marines or whatever happen to be in trouble uh, you can send in this robot and it will look around it will go ah I have this wall I will take this wall away now they can get out or something along those lines probably more co- more cunning than that yeah, and so then the building collapses because the wall's <laughs> been taken down you're just going back to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy again when one of the robots takes out the floor <laughs> Because it's a stupid robot, basically. <laughs> but no, the, the, the thing that they're having trouble with is is, is getting the robot to recognise things. It's getting found. Perhaps, it, perhaps once it knows that it's got a piece of string and a yo-yo, it'll be fine. But it, 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 it's hard for robots to recognise yo-yos. I think more accurately, the problem is um, not not necessarily recognising things, but recognising whether they will be able to sustain the weight or whatever of people. So, I mean, the examples that they've given for uh, ways that the, the robot could find things and help. It would be stacking boxes to climb over something, or building a bridge out of debris, which sounds fantastic. Um, although, probably quite difficult. I think this is where the problem will come in. Uh, the other thing is uh, climbing a chair to grab an object out of reach. So what they're actually trying to build is a robot that can get over things. Because <laughs> all of those examples, it's going upwards, going over a ravine, getting on a chair. Pretty much, although the picture it has is quite cool. The picture is basically a couple of arms, a couple of arms on a on a on a pole, which is then attached to some wheels, and uh, and the arms are holding what appears to be a big metal rod or something, and it's pushing it into something that's smoking, which are, which somebody is trapped underneath. Um, so this, this doesn't appear to be getting everything. So this appears to be trying to m- dislodge something using a lever effect. Unfortunately, oh, oh, possibly it's actually trying to feed some sort of power into the thing that's smoking and actually kill the pitiful human who's trapped in the... <laughs> it's possible this is actually an evil robot. And that, in fact, what that, is, what that is doing is it's just putting what looks a bit like liquid nitrogen in, <laughs> uh, uh, into wherever he's trapped. And, I mean, we can't, we can't see what the guy is saying, but presumably it's... <laughs> presumably it's, thank you so much for helping helping me MacGyver bot. And, um, <laughs> oh, no, no! Oh, no! <laughs> Why did you turn on me? I created you. <laughs> but yeah. yes, the, the problem they think is that they, they, 
they don't think that they'll be able to tell whether the object can support your weight uh, or be used as a lever. It needs to actually sort of pick it up and work out its its uh, physical dimensions. So this is what worries me about the bridge built out of debris, is that it builds a very convincing-looking bridge out of something like beer mats uh, or, or something not particularly good for supporting human weight and then all the all the soldiers will go oh thank you MacGyver Bob we can now escape from this moat that we happen to be stuck on round and then they'll all go over the bridge and then they'll all fall into the moat and then yeah, the crocodile and seems- then the bull sharks will eat them <laughs> um, uh, or maybe the lemon sharks depending on which particular bit they happen to be stuck around stuck in a giant coke <laughs> or something uh, we've, got, uh, no, we've got another technology story, uh, which is moving on to the virtual, and there's been another problem in World of Warcraft. You might remember a while back, there was a virus, not not a com- not even a computer virus, but an in-game virus that um, was released into World of Warcraft and was killing some of the characters in it, and apparently some people got hold of this and tried to spread it, and it ended up with loads of characters dying, and possibly some useful data for how diseases spread. But to what happened this time is an entire city, effectively, have just all keeled over uh, at the same time through someone's sort of hack. Well, I think I think keeled over is uh, from what I can gather from the story. They have created the, these hackers have created some kind of Uber character, who's uh, who. It, it says it says here that they started with a level one character, which sounds to me not not like an Uber character, but like a rubbish character. But nonetheless, they they've used this Uber character um, to go around and basically kill everybody. So it's not a particularly exciting hack. It's just that they've they've gone around on a big slaughtering mission, or a group of them have gone around on a big slaughtering mission. So yeah, this doesn't have the same kind of like disease, how diseases spread. This is more like kind of how psychopaths spread or something like that. Uh, not necessarily particularly useful information um and yes they, they I, i'm not particularly familiar with world of warcraft but they have this uh they've gone through the major cities so i don't know uh, like the, the, the world of warcraft equivalent of new york i presume and, and london and that kind of thing and they've gone around and they've just slaughtered everybody so yes not particularly pleasant people <laughs> What, what's quite amusing, though, is the fact that in the news stories they've got screenshots of the aftermath of this, um, where obviously uh, this is not what people... What was Warcraft quite nice and cartoony until you've got an entire city of skeletons <laughs> spread about. Yeah, well, I mean, the, there are skeletons, but, I mean, the, the, the picture, or at least the, the resolution on the image here, doesn't, sort of makes it look a bit more like some kind of weird sort of styrofoam that's just... <laughs> gone all over the place. It's like somebody's had fun with Silly String. Uh, it's just like, Silly String has attacked World of Warcraft. It's, we did not know it was toxic to characters. Somebody had a big party in all the cities. Uh, but yes, I, I don't think I really... I, I, I don't think I really understand, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody made something that allowed them to beat up other people online. Yeah. It's basically the story. It's <laughs> basically the story. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, now, now we've, we've got a slightly older story now, uh, which is, uh, again, science-related, uh, but, speci- but um, specifically this is to do with the EU uh, trying to encourage more girls to get into science. And um, they, they, they've made um, an interesting... Um, series of um, stories and stuff where they tell you about uh, what female scientists do and all this, but the problem is in the teaser trailer that they originally uploaded to YouTube, which actually has some people asking them whether it was meant to be ironic. 
Yeah, that I like that they had to officially deny that it was ironic. So this is a video which is supposed to be inspiring girls to do science. And, yeah. So the only bit of science-y stuff that that's actually comes up in the video is a microscope. The girls don't get the microscope, they only get safety specs. Which is far less exciting. I, I'm, I'm a scientist and I would want the microscope. Yeah, but, so yeah, the, the girls are mostly just kind of... Um, wandering around wearing lots of makeup and high heels which well makeup you could wear if you particularly want to high heels probably not the best idea but yeah they're wandering around making a mess while the guys they're doing the science yeah it's, it's not so much the, the, the fact that they're wandering around look visually trying to look nice the problem is that they're, they're not actually doing any of the science <laughs> It's yeah, just, like, just being a distraction. It's awful. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the idea was supposed to be, oh look, it's fine. You don't need to be, you know, a nerd or whatever to do science. Which is which is a nice positive me message to send. Yeah, you know, you can you can still, you know, be fashionable or whatever and and do all the fun stuff. But yeah, I mean, the the video does seem to uh, the video I've, uh, seems to have been removed now. Um, yeah, so some people basically, I believe it didn't last very long. Um, before. I think about three minutes or something before they had to take it down because of all the abuse they were getting. Um, but obviously, uh, in the internet, a few minutes is an eternity, which means that other people got hold of it and it's now available if you, if, if you search for it. Yes, it, it is still on YouTube. So, so the description that we have here is the aforementioned la man in a lab coat sitting at a microscope, sciency, uh, <laughs> but the woman wore short skirts and stilettos. Okay, short skirts, maybe, stilettos, probably not. As they pouted and giggled whilst clumsily dropping models of molecules all over the lab floor. <laughs> Science! Uh, yeah, I mean, it does, it does just sound like they're basically encouraging people, <laughs> girls, it's like, girls, you can go into science and you can uh, be a mess. I mean, that's not really the image they're trying to... They want to promote the fact that you can, you can do your own thing, you can be, like, fun and sexy or whatever, but you don't have to be... But, I mean, you also should be competent somewhere along the line. I mean, like... <laughs> the other thing is, it's just sort of reinforcing the stereotype of girls having to be sort of all pretty and dressed up with all the makeup and things and wander around looking amazing and trying to attract the guys. And I'm kind of going, no, we know what we like to do. We, we were going to go and do physics. Leave the geeky girls alone. <laughs> we know where we stand. We don't want to go and do that. What I found pretty amusing about it was if you didn't know what it was about just with a slight change at the very end it could very easily be a perfume commercial it just had that sort of you, you know how when, when you're in the cinema or on tv and there's a there's a there's an advert which you're not quite sure what's going on in it and it's basically 50 50 whether it's going to be perfume or a car no, no, no I, oh, it's true. Cars, I, I, I think perfume adverts are generally a bit. Both often have some kind of wild animal or something, you know, because of the power of the car and the, the <laughs> of the perfume. That's uh, so like a bull shark, for instance. Yes. Yeah. Um, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a woman's perfume, then it will generally have um, some kind of woman pirouetting or something along the lines, or or, or moving that. in a fuzzy, <laughs> fuzzy shot. So, I mean, all the, so apart from the wild line, um, like a lot of this is, does have a lot of similarities. I can see. I mean, like, you don't really know what's going on. There's a lot of nonsensical things all mashed together, not really making any sense. And then at the end it says science. <laughs> I think some of the old sort of skincare creamy advert things used to have a bit with a lab in where they were doing science on it. And the kind of, look, we did this properly, really honest. Yeah, we I, know what we're doing. Ironically, um, some of those probably have more female scientists in them than this video. They probably have more science in them as well. Science, brought to you by Christian Dior. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, have you got any comments that you'd like to, uh, to give us about uh, any of the stories we've covered so far, from singing mice to uh, science videos? Email studio at chemfm.co.uk. Use the web form if you're listening live on our website, or you can text CAM plus your message to 80809. More news stories after this. On air, 97.2, online, camfm.co.uk, and across Cambridge, your station, your CAMFM. Yes, this is Burst of All live on CAMFM. That was Someday by Nickelback. Uh, we're now going to have some unusual stories involving sound from the last week. Indeed. So, uh, the first story we have was, uh, so we've had quite a lot of scientific experiments being conducted so far in this show, and here is another one. Um, a bit closer to the sharks one that we were describing, or at least the way we thought it should be done. Um, we, we've, uh, scientists at Newcastle University, uh, in conjunction with the Wellcome Trust, uh, have tried to determine the five most unpleasant sounds in everyday life. Uh, I'll get onto my point about whether this is exactly everyday life or not in a moment, but uh, the way they did it, they worked with 13 volunteers and they tested reactions to 74 different noises, uh, both in outward responses and also looking at the way it, the brain affected. At 74 is quite a small number of noises, frankly. I'm sure in a day I come across more than 74 noises. Maybe they assumed that some of them were quite, you know, like clicking your fingers. It's sort of like, like I, I'm clicking my fingers down the microphone. Uh, is actually, you know, nobody's going to take offence to that. But maybe they thought, I don't know, maybe if we play a bit of Cliff Richard or something, maybe that will, <laughs> that will uh, have some different reactions. Um, but anyway, here, is, here are the results. Um... I'd quite like to do a quick little pop, uh, pop quiz on, on one of you two, just to see how often you actually think you hear these noises in everyday life. So, um, apparently the, the, the least pleasant one was uh, a knife on a bottle. How often do you think you hear a knife on a bottle every, like, week or whatever? Zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's a good everyday noise. Um, can we hear it? Can we hear it? Hear it, yeah, okay. Is this, is this all synced up? Yeah. Okay, so this, here is a knife on a bottle. <laughs> Yeah, that Sounds is more like trying to sharpen a knife. But on you wouldn't normally use a bottle to do that. Not unless you're particularly incompetent. Or a knife on a plate to, like, a really... Like That's yeah. true, yeah, yeah, actually. And you do hear that quite a bit, because yeah. if you, when you're cutting your food and, you you know, you go too far or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that's one I know people react to. Yeah, okay, so kni knife on a bottle, that's the most important. Next one, we've got fork on glass, which is basically a different uh, item uh, of cutting. Uh, 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 is that just saying, yeah, but, but, but glass bottle... <laughs> yeah. I take it they don't mean the sort of tap in the glass before someone makes a speech. I don't think so. Well, here is... It's the next one going to be... nearly annoying enough. Is the next one going to be spoon jar... <laughs> not, not <laughs> we've, gone, we've gone through we've gone through knife and fork bottle and glass so wait, the next one is spoon jar like wait Tommy for it. wait for it anyway uh, here is fork on the glass speech speech <laughs> if that's how you announce speeches then <laughs> uh, I'm quite scared that sounds like that one of those horror movie sounds uh, like they're kind of like <laughs> I can't remember, well, I can't remember which film that, that's from, it's that, where the guy's... Oh, uh, uh, Psycho? Psycho, the, yes. Yeah, in the shower. Uh, okay, so our, our next one, chalk on a blackboard. <laughs> it probably used to be quite a common sound. Well, I hear it quite a lot, uh, <laughs> I still hear it quite a lot in that one. In your nightmares. I, I personally find it a reasonably um, fine noise, but I'm guessing that this is the point where you get the, the, the rubbish chalk on the, on, the, on the... when it does the squeaky noise on the blackboard. Let's hear this one. That is not chalk on a blackboard. <laughs> that is somebody with a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, somebody with a whistle sounds like chalk on a blackboard. Never mind. Okay, uh, now we get to 
Okay, so we've had we've had some sort of moderately everyday things. Now, what about this one? A ruler on a bottle. They like their bottles, don't they? <laughs> How often do you hear a ruler on a bottle? Um, possibly once in my life in a couple of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I, was like, I have a feeling that they would probably had a lot of bottles around. They were measuring it for most the most <laughs> disgusting possible noise, and they were just after a while they're like, actually, this is a horrible noise. Let's add this to the thing. <laughs> it is quite bad. <laughs> well, it's also quite amusing because you've got a little surprise twine in the middle of it. You just play, it, you just play it again. Listen out for the surprise twine. Oh, hang on. Go, go, go. Oh no, it won't let me play it again. It's not liking it. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to use my magical computer powers to try and sort this. <laughs> there we go. It was almost like it wasn't expecting to be done the second time. It's like, what? You want? You want more? <laughs> You want more rumour on a bottle? But it's terrible. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's not good. I, I, I can't help feeling that what's basically going to come out of this test is a lot of people being traumatised because they end up having to say, I've never heard of rumour on a bottle before, I wonder what it sounds like, and getting rulers and bottles and going, oh no, that's terrible, and then telling all their mates about it. So it's going to just be a spate of people terrorising others with rulers on bottles. Anyway, the, the last one, so this is a classic one, nails on a blackboard. Does it, does it say, explain which kind of nails? Well, if we have a listen... I think you'll find it's actually a saw. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think what it should be with nails on the blackboard is... It, it, you have the film classic thing in films or in television programmes when somebody wants attention and they've got a blackboard. Like in The Simpsons. Or oh, Garfield's attached to it. Or <laughs> oh, Garfield's attached to it. So, um, yeah, so the, the result of this is basically that you should probably avoid the mass department at happy hour. Because, <laughs> because that's going to have a lot of blackboards and glass. Um, apart from that, you're probably okay for your everyday life. I wouldn't be too worried about your, <coughs> this, this survey. Um, you're probably more likely to be annoyed by a pneumatic drill outside your house, uh, which apparently is not annoying. <laughs> Perhaps it wasn't one of the 74 sounds. Perhaps it wasn't. I think I think probably they were trying to make sure that the uh, the... the the, the pitch, no, the decibels, not the pitch. Uh, the, the decibel level was the same for roughly all of them. But, yes, there we go. So, moving on from unpleasant sounds to much more melodic sounds. <laughs> you avoided saying pleasant there. Well, yeah, well, it's unpleasant, pleasant, you know. I, I need, I, it's a bit like uh, just a minute when you have to try and avoid repeating things. Although I said sound twice, it only worked. Uh, anywho, this is news from Scotland, where they are they have an, an initiative with the uh, the Royal Scottish National Orchestra and the Association of Registrars, which, we, which is a, a t the superhero team we've all been waiting for. We, frankly, we have been waiting for the story a long time. Um, we, we, we did, you know, there was a very much a will they, won't they kind of relationship going on. Um, it's kind of killed the suspense now. Uh, Finally, uh, we have the news that all newborns in Scotland are going to be uh, given a free uh, classical CD, mu CD of classical music. Uh, as, as opposed to a CD from kind of like ancient Greece or ancient Rome. Yeah, basically. Um, they're, they're trying to avoid uh, those ones because they're mostly made out of rock and they don't play on today's current players. And, and, and uh, you try and put them on the gramophone, the noise that you get is the sixth most unpleasant noise <laughs> you might hear. Rock on a gramophone. Uh, yeah, that was, that was one of the 74th that didn't quite make the cut. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so this is to, to inspire... Um, to inspire a love of music 
for all uh, because they're, 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 they're sort of stories that if you listen to classical music um, and you're pregnant and you're female uh, possibly also if you're male how many males <laughs> I have no idea I don't remember exactly what happened in the in the film where Arnold Schwarzenegger got pregnant um, but if you have uh, that's, that's all the source of all my facts is Arnold Schwarzenegger films uh, but yes, they're supposed to be uh, good for babies' development if you listen to classical mu- music when when they're in the womb, uh, as opposed to I don't know. Um, we've, we've been mice death metal, death metal, mice, my, death, my death metal, mice death metal, uh, which 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 means that they come out all squeaky. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this this is uh, quite a nice story in a way. Uh, I remain sceptical um, because it's kind of like they're not good they're just going to give them a CD and go huh, you, might, you might like this how many of them are actually going to actually ha- listen to that CD because it's not them who's lis- going to listen to it it's the parents I suppose more accurately they're giving parents who've just had a child a, a CD of classical music really aren't they I don't think the, the child will sort of wander around the CD and go ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that little Timmy you want to put on the classical CD ah. <laughs> Also, um, the, the kids are growing up in a digital world. CDs are going to seem really old school to them. They're going to want digital downloads. They'll They're probably gonna... be trying to eat the CD. <laughs> what is this thing? It's shaped like a cookie. For really expensive dummies. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's true. I mean, well, it could be worse. They could have given them a cassette tape or something <laughs> like that, which I suppose is a classical CD <laughs> these days. <laughs> uh, vinyl record or something. But, uh, yes, so let, we'll, we'll quickly move on to our last three with the last couple of minutes we have, which is not quite so sound-related. Um, but it's another sort of challenge, challenging thing, like we had um, Felix Baumgartner earlier, who, by the way, according to my live updates, uh, has, still has not jumped. Um, but uh, keep, keep following that one after we've gone. This is uh, a chap who has tried to cross the Irish Sea using a giant hamster wheel, uh, you, see, you see, the problem there is that the, the key thing about hamster wheels is that they don't move. That's kind of the point. <laughs> well, I, I think they don't move within his his uh, his framework. But I think uh, I think he's hoping that they'll propel the boat somehow. Maybe this is what hamsters really are envisaging when they go into a <laughs> hamster wheel. They're kind of like imagining that they're you know it's like racing for them. It's like going on a car and going around Spa or something. Um, but I particularly like the name of this. He's called it the Tridolo. <laughs> uh, interestingly, in the cardboard boat race in Cambridge, someone effectively made one, and it worked before it sunk. Hmm. Well, <laughs> but, uh, yes, that, that, that's that, a great um, thing for a boat. It worked until it sank. He, he'll be really pleased to know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, thank you very much. Um, we hope you enjoyed our news stories this week. Uh, we, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. And up next is the science of fiction. See you soon.